You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas, 67024. Well, good morning, everybody. If you've got a Bible, I want you to be ready, have your fingers warmed up, because we're going to be in several different sections of the text today, and I, I want us to just really hone in on the idea of we are at war. We are at, we are in the midst of a spiritual battle, and I don't know if it's just me or like something in me is just stirred to a different level. I, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but everywhere right now around us is celebrating immorality and death. Immorality and death are being celebrated on a wholesale level. You can't go into a store without seeing blatant celebrations of this thing called death and immorality. Blood, monsters, bones, graves, uh, hell itself is, is present everywhere you go. On top of that, lewd, just vile immorality pictured everywhere and I don't know what it is and maybe I've just not been in tune in the past as I am now but the celebration of the occult the celebration of um, immorality is everywhere around us Um, you go into stores and you see blood monsters bones graves all of us all of this stuff And, and last week we talked about our praise being a weapon that can defeat the enemy how when we worship and we partake in the goodness and the, and the sovereignty of who Jesus is, that the devil has no power over us. He has no ability to, to, to try to take us out when we're in the midst of celebrating who God is, when we're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. So why would someone who has been redeemed by the blood of the lamb partake in the works of darkness? Like, why would a Christian, a born-again believer, celebrate what God came to defeat? Uh, in fact, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11 tells us, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, expose them, expose them. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27 tells us that give no opportunity to the devil. And listen, we're, we're, in the, we're in a culture that is just lock, stock, and barrel given opportunity to Satan. Uh, many years ago, Paul Harvey, he was, a, he was a guy that was before his time. And I know he's not a theologian, but man, I just I can't help but think of his radio broadcast that he did one time where he said, If I were the prince of darkness, I would engulf the whole world in darkness. And I would have a third of its real estate and I've had three-fourths of its pop. I'm sorry, four-fifths of its population. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin a campaign of whispers with the wisdom of a serpent. I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper, the Bible is a myth. And I would convince them man created God instead of God creating man. We're in this moment, ladies and gentlemen. Like We're there. We're, we're there right now. We're in the midst of this. We have people who are listening to me today. And say, Pastor, you're being way too rigid. You're being way too strict. You're being way too radical. And it's just a little fun. It's just a little fun. Listen, 
listen, guys, I'm not against fun. And he's like, okay, Pastor, I'm just trying to have fun with my kids. Why are you such a killjoy? Why are you against my kids and I having fun? I'm not against you having fun. Not at all. What I'm not for is the celebration of evil. I'm against the celebration of evil. For those who may say, oh, Pastor, it's just a little fun. Yes, I've decorated my house like a graveyard. But what's where's the harm in that? Yeah, I let little Johnny and little Jane dress up like a devil, a ghost, and a witch. But what? what's wrong with, what's the harm in that? Why in the world would we allow our children to take on the persona of a ghost, a demon, or a witch? The things that God, like this, seriously, why would we allow our children to do that? You say, well, Caleb, that's, you're just, it's just a little fun. Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21 has something to say about that. Listen, you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. <laughs> Listen, you can't have your foot in the camp of Christ and other foot in the den of the devil and still be okay. In fact, Revelation chapter 3 tells us that if you are riding the fence and you do have one foot in the camp of Christ and one foot in the camp of, or den of the devil, I'm telling you, God gets so sickened by you that he vomits you out of his mouth. Like, this is serious stuff. You cannot partake of the cup of God and the cup of demons. You can't say, I'm a believer in Christ and let your children dress up like Satan. Like, that is unbiblical. Like, this is the thing I'm trying to get through our minds. There is a difference between cultural Christianity and biblical Christianity. Cultural Christianity just tacks Jesus on to everything. We just tack it on at the end. And just, you know, Lord, thank you for the day. Amen. And we tack Jesus on and God bless America at the end of it. Biblical Christianity transforms our lives. It transforms the way we interact with the world around us. It transforms what we partake in. Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who partake, who, who put darkness for light, who take light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You can't have them both ways. This is a clear message. That cursed are those who celebrate what is evil. Woe is means cursed. So those who celebrate evil, that is, there's, there's a curse laid out. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 gives us a very clear admonition. Be sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a lion, like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And I'm telling you, Satan loves the idea of trying to devour our children. Like, this is the reason there's an obsession right now. Like, I, listen, I don't, I'm not the typical Christian where like, oh, you shouldn't watch this, you shouldn't watch that. Like, but listen, there's some things you shouldn't watch. There's some certain things you shouldn't be putting, partaking in. Like, the, the film Hocus Pocus... I'm going to tell you right now, it's about witches who the Bible tells very specifically, don't deal with witches. Don't deal with witches. Like the witch of Endor, don't, don't deal with her. She's wicked. She's awful. These witches eating children. Like, there it is. Satan is looking for someone to devour. And I'm telling you, mom, dad, if you are not actively engaged in the biblical sense of 
protecting and shepherding your children, Satan wants to destroy them and devour them. And sadly, most folks in the church are just happy as could be celebrating what Jesus came to defeat. And I'm telling you, we've got a problem. So you might say, well, Caleb, Pastor Caleb, what in the world do we do? What do we do then? I want little Johnny, I want little Jane to go out and have fun. Okay. I'm not saying you can't have fun with your kids. But what I am saying is that you'd better pay attention. And you you as a biblical believer cannot partake in the things that God calls evil. Why not make your Halloween evening a time where saints gather together, where family and friends gather together in the Lord Jesus Christ. Celebrate Reformation Day, 1517. Martin Luther nailed the 95 Thesis on the, the Wittenberg church door. Nailed him, to the, nailed him to the church door and said, this is what we are to do. We are the justified, the just shall live by faith. That's what we should be doing. Why not gather together as family and friends in the Lord and take this time to, to have a time of thanksgiving? Listen, thanksgiving shouldn't just be, oh, that's November. You're getting a holiday ahead here, Caleb. No, thanksgiving for a believer should be 365 days a year, 24-7. We should be living in a state of thanksgiving. What would it look like if we took a time as family and friends and loved ones in the Lord as this time of Thanksgiving where we eat good food and we get around together and we talk about the goodness of who Jesus is in our homes and welcome people in to share in the good news of who Jesus truly is. And when like, listen, when those little kids come to the door, that's a, man, they're coming to you. You're not going to them. What an opportunity to share Jesus. When, the, when you hand them some candy, Hand them a gospel track. Tell them about the goodness of Jesus before they leave. I know that can be awkward, but listen, you just be like, listen, I just want you to know that, that Jesus loves you. And here's what you need to do. Ask questions. When the kid comes to the door, how do you get to heaven, kid? Well, how do you get to heaven? Well, Mark chapter 1 verse 15 tells you. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. What do you need to do? Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Hand them a gospel track. Talk about the good news. You say, well, Caleb, that is it's out of my comfort zone. Oh, that's a little too radical, Pastor. Look, listen, the reason we're in the mess we're in in America today is because the church has not been radical enough. We have been complacent in our, our ideologies. We've, we've been complacent in the way we handle the truth of God. We've been complacent about wickedness. We've been complacent about holiness. We've been complacent about worldliness. We've just sort of kind of taking it all in, and we didn't want to offend or rock the boat. But let me tell you, the Bible can be offensive. When Jesus calls you to repent of your sins and trust the gospel, I'm telling you, this is what we're called to do. People might say, well, Caleb, it's too late. There's too much evil. There's too much problematic issues in the world. What, what can I do? I'm just one man. I'm just one woman. Oh, yes, you see, there are things that you can do. You can change your world and you can change the world of the loved ones you are in contact with romans chapter 13 verse 12 the night is far gone the day is at hand so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light oh come on like that that should get you wired up that should get you excited I, listen i know we baptist but man come on that should get us a little bit of have some excitement throw off Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Put on the, the mighty armor of God's light. 
Make your home a beacon of gospel-centered light for your community. Well, Caleb, I, I might get made fun of. I, I might I might get made fun of for that. I might I, I might I might flub it up. And guess what? You probably will. And you might get made fun of. So be it. We need to get some thicker skin. We need to get some fire in our belly. I am so sick and tired of Christians taking a complacent stand against immorality and wickedness and, and hellishness in our world. We're, we're seeing it every single place. There's Christians that are just complacent and they just, well, just it's all about just give me Jesus. Man, that theological statement is gigantic. There's so much in that. We need to get some thicker skin and we need to stand up for what is right. What the Bible says is right. We need to get some fire in the belly. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The key is you've got to submit yourself to God first. We need Christians to stop submitting themselves to the powers of the world and to Satan, and we need, as believers, to submit ourselves to the power of who God is. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 say, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. The Bible calls the days evil. And man, I'm telling you, we live in an insane world. And I just watched a video not too long ago, just last night, of a, of a guy talking about how deconstruction of faith is not really sinful. Man, I, I looked up, because my son was sitting there as I watched this video, and he's like, Dad, what does that mean? What is this deconstruction stuff? And we talked about this, and we Googled it, and we pulled it up. And what it is is, Deconstruction of faith is literally tearing apart and reevaluating the core biblical doctrines that we've held to for a millennia. And we're, we're just throwing these off saying, hey, hell's not really hell. The Bible's not really the, the, the final word of authority. God, I mean, the New Testament's just sort of kind of, it's, it's, it's got some problems. It's the same exact lie that Satan pitched to Eve in the beginning. Did God say? Just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, where Satan looked at Eve and cast doubt, cast doubt on God's word. Today is the same ploy, and humanity is just as dumb. Where there's a reason Jesus calls us sheep. Sheep aren't the brightest animals in the box. Listen, we're still falling hook, line, and sinker for the same exact stupid thing. Did God really say? Did God really say? Yes, God did say the days are evil, and we've got to be careful how we're walking. Walk in such a way that you're, you're being wise with what you do and what you say and what you celebrate. Re remember your praise as a weapon. Remember that God's word is called a sword. What do you use a sword for? The advancement of an attack. You use your sword as an advancement against the evil of today. Walk in such a way that you're being wise. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4-6. through six says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Oh, how does one do this? You say, well, Caleb, that's great. How does one do this? Well, I'm trying to get this through to you, help you understand it and see what's going on. This is what we're called to do. You've got a weapon in your hand. You're holding the word of God in your hand right this very moment. 
Like that's what you're doing. You're holding a sword and the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh. They're not, it's not, you're not not holding on to a pistol or a tank or a nuke. You're holding on to something much more powerful. It has the ability to destroy strongholds. And Satan is putting strongholds everywhere in our culture. And what we do as Christians is we celebrate what is a stronghold of the enemy. We are celebrating what is called a stronghold of the enemy. And so how do you say, how do we we fight against this? Well, Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16 gives us this answer. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. Oh, brothers and sisters, let me tell you right now, this is what we're called to do. This is what we have to do as believers. This is what we're called to do in the midst of all the things that are happening in our lives is we are to have the word of God dwell in our hearts richly. Like this is where the weapon is. The word of God is called a sword and it has to dwell in your heart because it comes out of you like a sharper than a two-edged sword to take out the enemy, to destroy the strongholds of the enemy. And I'm telling you, what we're doing is we've been so complacent about the word of God and we've been so just lackadaisical when it comes to the word of God is that, man, we are absolutely being plundered. And I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus tells us Furthermore, in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks, giving thanks. Remember I told you a little bit ago, gather with your families, let's, let's, let's celebrate with thanksgiving about who Jesus is, the goodness of who Jesus is. Let, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The key is the word of God must dwell in you richly. Rich means overflowing, an overflowing amount, an abundant amount. This means To win in the battle of your mind and in your body, the word of God must be a priority to you. It can't be just something you pick up on Sundays. It just can't be. And here's the furthermore, not just this. And here's an, oh, Caleb, I prayed a prayer years ago and I think I'm all right. And listen, there's no such thing in the Bible about just just pray a prayer and you'll be fine. Just pray that prayer. Jesus tells Nicodemus in in John chapter three, he says, truly, truly. Verily, verily, I say to you, unless you are born again, unless you're born again, no one can see the kingdom of God. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And this is this is what we're called to do. We're called to be born again because here we live in a culture right now where everybody's like, oh, I was born this way. I was born this way. I was born this way. Remember I talked about earlier in 2 Corinthians? Talking about destroying strongholds and, and breaking arguments. Some translations say breaking agreements. Listen, we have made an agreement that this is, you know, I just said a prayer and I just did this and I did that and I did this. Listen, you've made an agreement. I just born this way. I just born this way. Jesus says you've got to be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom a once born man. In order to enter the kingdom, you have to be a twice-born man, woman, boy, or girl. You must be born again. That's the reason Jesus says, listen, don't marvel at this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you've got to be be born the first way naturally, out of your mama's loins. And then you come a second time for a rebirth through the spirit. And Jesus says, listen, 
Don't marvel that I say you must be born again. But he says, truly, truly, unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So I want to challenge us today. I want to challenge us as believers to, to actually live in this. Don't just say you believe because everybody's a Christian. That's the reason I ask the question, hey, are you a Christian? Because everybody says they're a Christian. I ask the question, have you been bought with the blood? Have you been bought with the blood of Christ? Are you born again? Because those questions people have to think about. Well, wait a minute. Uh, uh, maybe. Are you born again? Do you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are, is Jesus the preeminent one in your life or is he just an add-on? Are you a cultural Christian that just has the idea of Jesus here and there and just tacked on to your life? Or has Jesus transformed your life? This next week, as, as believers, I'm going to challenge you. Don't partake in the things that are wicked. Don't partake in the things that celebrate evil, death, hell itself. Celebrate what Christ has done in you. I'm not saying you can't gather. I'm not saying you can't go get candy. I'm not saying those things. But what I'm saying is, if you're, if you're dressing your babies up like some sort of a demonic creature, you need to repent and you need to stop it. If you've got your house looking like a graveyard, you need to repent and you need to change your ways. I'm telling you, you say, Caleb, that's too rigid. That's too, that's too radical. That's what we're called. Listen, Christianity is countercultural. We are countercultural to the world and we are supposed to be a little radical. We're supposed to look a little different. The key in this is that Christ's word must dwell in us. If Christ's word dwells in you, I'm telling you, it's going to look different. I just had some conversations with some dear friends and they're doing the same thing. They're transforming the way they do their Halloween because their baby's souls are more important. And I'm telling you, that's what Christianity does. Biblical Christianity transforms the way we live our lives and what we partake in and what we do. Biblical Christianity is different. I'm telling you, we have got to be about pursuing who God is, and we do that by allowing God's word, Colossians 3.16, allowing God's word, let Christ's word dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. That's what we're supposed to do. We're teaching. Listen, that's what I'm doing this morning is I'm teaching and I'm admonishing you here. What we've been doing earlier, we were singing songs. We were singing songs and hymns to the Lord Jesus. Are you washed in the blood? I love that we sang that song this morning. Are you washed in the blood? Have you come to Jesus for that cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood today? That's the question. Are you who say, Caleb, wait a minute. Didn't you just say that the, that, that the blood and gore is wrong? Listen, the blood and gore of the world is awful. But I'm telling you, Scripture says in Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of the blood of the Lamb, there is no remission of sin. So the blood of Christ is set apart. It's separated. It's holy. It's There's nothing evil or wicked or just horrendous about the 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 blood of christ the blood of christ is how we have a reconciliation to the god of the universe are you washed in the blood of the lamb have you been born again that's the key don't just say i'm a christian everyone's a christian today i want to challenge us to actually live into this are you born again have you repented of your sins have you trusted the lord jesus christ don't just say it. I want you to live in it. Not just believe it, but I want you to live it out. Because if you genuinely believe something, you're going to live it out. You're not just going to say it. 
you're going to actually live it out. If you genuinely, truly believe the true, the trueness, the, the, the boldness, the, the good news of who Jesus is, you're going to live it out. So that's my, that's my challenge to you all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. I thank you for the Glover family. Lord, I just thank you for the witness that they have been to us this morning. Thank you for all of the the beautiful things in the world around us. Father, help us to be beacons of hope. Help us to be beacons of light to our community. Guard and protect us, Father. Lord, we love you and we praise your mighty and precious name. Amen.